Today's guest is Sola Pizzuto. Sola has an extensive background in various healing modalities and methods of growth. I mean, starting with conventional medicine, she was an army medic and also a nurse in various hospitals. But I met Sola two years ago at the Dow Garden in Chiang Mai, where I live now, because she's also the coordinator of the Meeting of the Masters workshop, which is a workshop between Grandmaster Montak Chia, who's popularized Taoist sexuality and has influenced a lot of what I teach now in men's sexuality, but also Charles Muir who's the first American Tantra teacher, I believe the first American Tantra teacher, or if not one of the first, uh, who I've also studied with. And I actually went out to Chiang Mai to take that workshop and I just stayed because I liked it. So I met Sola there and uh, Sola has extensively studied both Taoist sexuality and Tantra yoga, much greater degree than me. And it was great uh, speaking with her. I mean, a lot of this was like, it was, it was humbling speaking with her, like realizing how much I didn't know and, and how much more I have to learn. And she's definitely very well practiced. I actually, after we speak about men using weights to strengthen their sexual muscles and um, some technical things, differences between Tantra's take on sexuality and, and, and energy and Taoism's take and where they overlap and where they're different and pros and cons. It was, it was nice to get an objective opinion on this stuff. But after after the interview, she actually showed me how to use the silk and weights. And if you don't know what that is, you can check my Instagram from a few years ago. It's basically um, how men can use weights to strengthen that part of their body. So that was fun. I got some hands-on training. I was doing some things backwards. I won't go into it more deeply than that. This is a very fun conversation. The meeting of the masters, I'll just, you know, I'll share about this because she does speak about it in this interview, but it's a great workshop. It's, I'd say, excellent if you are interested in this stuff and you've never done anything like this before, I'm sharing this because I did definitely enjoyed my time out there. I made a lot of great connections with great people. It's like a beautiful resort. I mean, as far as like retreats go, I don't believe it's like that expensive. I don't remember. I mean, the link will be down there, but it's actually what got me to like shift my life around and go out to Thailand. And that's my plug. I mean, the, the workshop itself was great, but it, it actually just the fact that it existed very positively affected my life because I'm a pretty happy camper. Anyway, enough about me. More about Sola. Right now you're listening to episode 069, Sola Pizzuto, Healing Tao. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, part of the Gotham Podcast Studio Network in New York, New York. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate it wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, awesome. Sola, so great to see you. So good to see you, Rwando. Yeah, so, so we met... We met in person for the first time about two years ago yeah. at the meeting of the masters two years yeah. ago. And uh, that's what actually got me to move to Thailand. Whenever people ask me, why did I move to <laughs> Chiang Mai? It's like, well, I went to this workshop and I kind of just stayed. Um, it's just great to see you here in LA. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's kind of like a full circle, haven't we? Yeah. Come around. Yeah. Yeah. So um, actually, I mean, I've seen you speak at the, I know you're, you're is that uh, you're the coordinator of that, or you work with Tao Garden? What do you do exactly? I am the curator okay. and the coordinator and the host of that Grand uh, meeting of the masters with Master Montak Chia and okay. Charles Muir. Yeah. And you've done a lot of work at Dow Garden, or, or actually, yeah, if you could just uh, fill us in on like how you ended up working with them and how it ties yeah. to your, your work. Yeah, you know what? Um, that was many, many years ago. Uh, let, let's see. First, I went to Charles's workshop. Okay. One of his weekend workshops. This was like many, many years ago. This is Charles Muir. This is yeah. Charles Muir, yeah, of the Source Tantra. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was really impressed. And, you know, I became connected with uh, some of the people that worked there, the staff and, and the teachers. And um, one thing led to another. And they asked me to consider being the organizer for Thailand. 
uh, with Master Montak Chia. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, because I have known Montak Chia, like, I, I feel like I've known him all my life. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was 19, I picked up his book and I started. Which book? Uh, with, it was a transformation book. Transformation okay. Of your um, negative emotions to positive emotions. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I was like 19. And I was in a library, and his book fell off the shelf, mm -hmm. and there it was. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is great. And so, yeah, I have been actually initiated in the Tao practice since I was a teenager, mm -hmm. and with Master Mantak Chias. So when he asked me to be the organizer for the retreat with him and Master Mantak Chia, with the Tao and Tantra philosophies, and putting them together mm -hmm. and, and seeing what that looks like, uh, I was like, yeah, sure, but, you know, let me speak to Mon Master Chia, see what he says. And so at this point, you've only, uh, you've read a lot of Master Chia's work, but you hadn't actually worked with him? I've read a lot of his books, and as a holistic practitioner, mm -hmm. and I work with people hands-on, on their bodies, for wellness, um, I have not met Master Mata Chia at that point. Mm -hmm. It was like, I had read many of his books, and I have practices practices uh in terms of healing arts mm -hmm. uh but uh during that period no i haven't been to thailand so okay. it's on my list to go and when i did i actually went to thailand not because of this retreat endeavor it was actually for my own personal growth mm -hmm. you know and uh, i wanted to get deeper into the practice and so at the end of like a four-month um a deep dive into the Tao practice. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's funny because um, I hadn't really seriously considered the offering from the source. I kind of like put it in the back burner. Mm -hmm. And at the end of four months um, with studying all of the practices with Master Chia, I was sitting at the dining room table. In Tao Garden? In the Tao mm -hmm. Garden. And I was going to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it just it didn't dawn on me because I was so immersed in my own personal endeavor practice mm -hmm. in my own growth that I was just had my mindset I'm going to go and get ready to get on that airplane but I want to see message and say goodbye mm -hmm. and so I was sitting in the dining room table thinking, okay, oh gosh, where's Master Chi? I'm going to have to say goodbye. And I had literally had one hour to catch my taxi ride. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and before I knew it, somebody tapped me in the back of the shoulder, you know, like kind of tapped me and I turned around and it was Master Chia. Mm -hmm. And he was like, um, Sola, I want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, really? He goes, well, you know, I hear that, you know, you do all these things and you and you um you know Charles Muir and this and that and he goes yeah he goes I would like for you to help me <laughs> and I said sure so um yeah it was there and then I just it was like a for sure thing and cool. I said okay I am going to be a part of the team I'm gonna help Master Chia and the Dow Gardens and I'm gonna unite these two together in this beautiful retreat and make it something awesome and then that's what happened. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's nice to have them side by side because actually, like, Montauk Chi, his first book, the first sexuality book I picked up was also one of his books, uh, Multi-Orgasmic Man, fell off the shelf in a, in a museum of sex in New York. I, was, yeah, right. I think I was 19 also, just looking around for, like, a sex book, <laughs> like, how do you do this thing? And then I saw this. Um, 
but then it was it was interesting like reading that and then tantra has similar principles with very different language and it was cool yeah. to see like okay this is what this means there like they're not they're not conflicting at all they're just, not at all yeah. yeah in fact um there's a famous saying that master charles says in his video uh, one of the videos that i interviewed him and he says you know the concepts are similar it's just like going up the mountain in different angles mm-hmm. but reaching the top at the same point mm-hmm. so, yeah. yeah so so you said you went to thailand um on your own to study with master chain you were there for four months did you do all of like, i did everything you uh-huh. know the whole winter's retreat i was there for you know to get actually not even to become even an instructor i was mm-hmm. just there just to get as much information as i can yeah but at the end of it of course you know <laughs> um you have an option if you want to become an instructor or not. And so I said, oh, what the heck? Why not? Yeah. And, and so mm. some people don't, I mean, I think most people listening probably are aware of Montauk Chia and the microcosmic orbit, at least on a very simple level. But like, he does some pretty intense stuff there, like the dark room enlightenment. I assume you did that. Yeah, I did that as well. And, you know, that concept is, is very, um, it's very old, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, back in the days, the sages used to go up in the caves and find these dark spots where they can just uh, meditate and dissolve themselves into a higher state of consciousness, mm-hmm. right? With very little food, mm-hmm. very little water. And literally, they had to rely on their own inner workings of their body to mm-hmm. sustain them to that kind of, you know, uh, very deep practice. So in that workshop, you're basically in the dark for what, like two weeks straight or something you can pick you know so uh-huh. what happened was uh master chia took that concept and he created what's called the dark room retreat mm-hmm. in thailand and it's of course you know modernized you know mm-hmm. you, get room, you get room service <laughs> you're in a dark room of course but everything is like handed to you you know you don't have to think about you know where you're gonna find your food mm-hmm. um but it's pitch it's, black it's pitch black it is just pitch black like you open your eyes and it's dark. You close your eyes and it's dark. And it's the same whether you open your mm-hmm. eyes or not. So the people serving food, do they also serve in the dark? Or they've been they have, those, so they have well. those like Mission Impossible goggles. Oh, and so they, they can see you. You can, can see them. See, you know. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is also there. But you know, as you know, the Tao Gardens is something special. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a place where people go to detox and mm-hmm. rejuvenate and really find themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you share a little bit more about the experience? I think it's so unique. Like there's so many workshops around, you know, around a lot of great things, but I think there's not that many dark room experiences. No, he is pretty much, he has pretty much nailed it in terms of um, the organization of it, the logistics of it, the, uh, the way that the teachings of many uh, Tao philosophies Mm -hmm. can be taught inside of that, that Mm -hmm. dark room. Mm -hmm. And, um, so what's it like, like learning that stuff in pitch black? How long were you in there? Oh, I was there for two weeks. Okay. You know? And uh-huh. the maximum is three weeks. Okay. And some people take it for one week. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fantastic because in there you learn the deeper Tao practices. You mm-hmm. know, it's called con- greater economy, lesser economy. These are these are some of the terms that uh, Master Mantak Chia has coined for the deeper inner workings, the alchemy. Uh, practices mm-hmm. and, and they refer so, to moving energy in your body moving the energies you know circulating collecting um inviting the universe inviting your inner universe aligning the two together um and it's busy it's kind of very busy work mm-hmm. 
You're too busy for your mind to wander, in mm. other words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to be, either you're in it or you're out. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's quite effective. Uh, so, uh, Cool. How did you find all of this? Because it sounds like you were doing wellness work before you found Tantra, right? Yeah. You know, my whole life I've been involved in caretaking and um, working in the field of um, taking care um Providing professional care, you know. Because you were in the army? Is that I was right? in the military. Okay. I was in the army. and I was uh, also a nurse mm -hmm. outside of the army. And mm -hmm. I worked in clinics and hospitals. I worked alongside with doctors and physicians. Um, and my background is in psychiatry, mm -hmm. spiritual psychiatry. Okay. I mean, um, uh, spiritual psychology, not psychiatry. <laughs> Edit that one. <laughs> I don't want to be considered a psychiatrist. Uh, but... Yeah, so it's it's all about I think just embodying like what it is to be like a human being. That was mm -hmm. my my main interest. What, Even when I was what younger. drew you to that? Were you, were, did you have to take care of family when you were young? Yeah, you know what I did. I had a big. I had a. Um, there was a lot of us in the household. You know, mm -hmm. there's four of us. Four you, you grew up in Korea, right? I or? I was. Born in Korea, and uh -huh. then I grew up in America. Okay, gotcha. And I had a lot of extended family around me in Korea, mm -hmm. and then in America also, you know, a lot of extended family. And, yeah, and in Korean culture, we take care of each other. We take care of the elderly, and the children take care of their parents. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like that, you know. So I think that's just something that I was just um, born with, you know, that idea to... Um, to take care of and also to take care of myself. I was always very curious, even as a young child, um, to not harm myself, not bring harm to myself. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, when we go into the rites of passage in Chinichud mm -hmm. and like we want to get into the, what's in, you know, the interest of the peers and, you know, and get into this and get into that and be curious about this and getting juvenile and mm -hmm. kind of delinquent, you know, mm -hmm. and seeing how that feels like. But I was just one of those, like, no, that doesn't sound good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not going to smoke. That's gross. You know, I'm not going to drink. And, um, but part of that has to do with the fact that my extended family, a lot of them did smoke, you know, mm -hmm. like my grandparents. And I, as a small child, I was so like utterly disgusted by you mm -hmm. know, the cigarette smoke and the smell. And I think that really deterred me and in a, in a good way because it kept me out of that scene. You mean that, you know? that's what pointed you into wellness? Yeah. You know, like, um, I wanted to be a doctor when uh -huh. I was little. Yeah. I want to grow up and be a doctor. That's what, that's what it was. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how did you uh, how did you end up? I assume after high school you went into the army. And well, after the hi after high school, when the military offered me a free tuition mm -hmm. and uh, even master's degree, it doesn't matter. I could have a PhD and they would pay for it all. Mm -hmm. Um, and they offered me all of this. Um, and traveling around the world and working in hospitals and. Mm -hmm. You know, training me to be in the medical field. Mm -hmm. I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> Why the hell not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. So what was that transition like going from there into, I mean, this like much more soft nurturing? Yeah, I transitioned for sure. Like mm -hmm. after the military, seeing how it was not so, you know, it just was not what I had in mind. I wanted to prevent illness rather than, you know, patching people up and putting band-aids and, you know. Did you work with a lot of people? Like, were, were you ever deployed? Did you work with I, people? I was, um, in a sense. You know, have you ever watched like Mash? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like yeah. An old, yeah, I, I've like seen yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like that nurse, you know, working in the tents. And okay, where where did you end up? Oh well, you know, I ended up up north, mm-hmm. like Fort Ord. You know where that is? No, like near. It's near like San Francisco. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Berkeley. Yeah. Okay. It's that Monterey area, but there in Korea and Texas and New Jersey. Um, so those are the places that, that I was sent to. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> cool. And um, which were you to Tantra specifically or the sexuality piece of wellness? Yeah. You know, I, I feel like for myself, um, to me, I don't look at Tantra as like this, like this mysterious, you know, like hard to acquire kind of endeavor. I feel like the Tantra is um, is something that being tantra and weaving together our mind, body, spirit, sexuality, mm-hmm. and connection with other people around us and ourselves. I, I feel like that's our birthright. Mm-hmm. That's how we are mm-hmm. naturally. And some people call it Buddhist nature. Oh, mm-hmm. you have a Buddha nature inside of you. You know, all beautiful and all you know virtuous. I feel it's the same thing with tantra. Like. People kind of misconstrue that whole word of tantra, and they get scared, and mm-hmm. you know they they associate it's a dark it. It's a dark, and oh, you know, you guys are gonna be doing so much sex, and it's all, isn't it? Isn't that thing all about sex and sex parties and all of that? And <laughs> no, it's not because it, it depends. You know, it's it's a word that has many different avenues mm-hmm. and many different angles in which to look at it. And um, I resonate with what's called the Neo Tantra, mm-hmm. which is like the New Age Tantra, where it's it's more um, grounding and it's more it's it's easier to relate to in mm-hmm. this kind of era, you know, rather than you know the Tantra from the old, you know, <laughs> like the ancient times, you know, and yeah, it was very spiritual and it wasn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because traditionally, like if you know, in India, they would spend maybe years before they did anything physical. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was very, it was almost had like a, a religious doctrine to it. Yeah, it's not very marketable in the West. <laughs> no, it's not at all. But the way that I look at tantra, and the way that I resonate, in the uh, the people that I resonate with in the teachings of tantra, like um, you know, Margot Anand, mm-hmm. you know, she's a she's a famous French. Mm-hmm. Um, her background is in psychology, but she studied extensively with Osho mm. in India. And he was one of the pioneers in, in, in the Tantra movement uh, back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And she was one of his um, direct disciples. But, you know, she's very educated and mm-hmm. very Have graceful. You worked with uh, yeah, okay. personally. And um, I'm also certified in her school. She has a school called Sky Dancing. And so, right. yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a big part of that community. And, and also, um, you know, with uh, the teachings, it's all like, um, it's all of her transference of her, of her teachings of the last, I don't know how many decades now. But like her and Mantap Chia and Charles Muir, they all come from the same generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, was, they were like the pioneers of mm-hmm. the movement, you know. You know, I feel like Mantak Chia was the movement for Tao and, you know, traditional Chinese medicine, the roots of Tao's practices. And uh, amazingly, you know, he, um, even with the language barrier in the earlier days, mm-hmm. it's amazing 
how much influence he's had on the West. Yeah. In spite of certain barriers, you know, back in the early 70s. Oh, my God. You know, now, from there to now, like 50 books later, and so many millions of translations later, and so many millions of followers later, it's amazing. Yeah, I've seen some of his videos, like VHS tapes that were put on. Right, you know, like, yeah. like Coke yeah, the glasses. huge glasses and... with like Jackie Chan. Oh, right, like I know. <laughs> <laughs> and even Charles Muir, my God, you know, the things that he powerhoused through it back in the in the 70s and 80s. And then and then there was beautiful Margot Non, you know, and she was like... Is she you know, still teaching? Is she, is she... she is. They're all okay. similar age group. They're all uh -huh. like in their 70s. And yeah, she's still teaching, you know, like, my God. Um, I'm going to try and, um, well, this is kind of a side note, but yeah. I think that, um, you know, she's, uh, might be at the Dow Gardens and, and teaching some classes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, but we'll see. That's a side note. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. um, mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I went to the meeting of the master two years ago was that I was like, I've been reading Malatek Chia's books for forever. Mm -hmm. um, I've been, like, I was following Charles Muir. I was like, I better catch them before they retire. <laughs> like, I'd be exactly. really bummed if exactly. I missed out on that. Yeah. And, and it's amazing because all three of them, they're so sharp and they're so like, mm -hmm. you know, they're just on it. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. How do you think, I mean, I guess you've, you've studied with like the pioneers in all of this work from different schools. Like, how do you think it's going to develop when they retire? Like, what's next? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Well, um, I think that it's going to, the Neo-Tantra is going to still be popular and it's going to take on, I already see it as a different flavor. It's going to take on more of uh, like a heart-to-heart -heart kind of connection based learning mm -hmm. it's like it's interpersonal it's relational it's psychology it's uh embodiment there's so many ways to take that and um and integrate that mm -hmm. with other people's therapies and philosophies even in your own yeah I guess yeah. like also with, mm -hmm. um, I mean, simply with the internet, like the Eastern philosophy and Indian philosophy kind mm -hmm. of, I mean, like Chinese philosophy and Indian philosophy kind of have to merge because everyone who's studying this studies all of it. Like, oh, well, how does this feel? Like, well, how does a chakra fit with a Dantian? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, the more and more I settle into all of the teachings, because there's so much, there's so many now, right? Mm -hmm. How I look at it is like, I think the Tao comes in and the Tao practitioners are so concentrated in the inner alchemies and the energy and mm -hmm. the grounding work. I mean, you know, the Qigong practices mm -hmm. that Master Mandak Chia is incredibly grounding. Mm -hmm. Like I have, my, my other background is um, I have many, many teacher certifications in various fields that has to do with embodiment training. So mm -hmm. like, for example, you know, like yoga practices and meditation and and even though in 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 the yoga practices there's a there's um there's teachings of grounding right mm -hmm. and, and movement and um alignment and all of that i still feel like the medical qigong in the Tao practice is just incredibly rooting 
like I feel like it's anchoring. Like I literally feel like my my body has become an extension of the earth, and it's just like the roots are just like you know just augmenting and then even feeling it in the body and the energy circulating and running with that it's incredible that i don't experience in my personal experience with like the other yoga or with, with with the other mentality you know, as um, much Jordan even though it's there okay. but it's not as you know it's not it's not as strong yeah do you know jordan mm-hmm. collier no his uh his girlfriend is practicing at Dalgar and doing something, I think mm-hmm. certification. Anyway, we were speaking about this and he was like, he's been on the podcast. Mm-hmm. He was speaking about how, um, like yoga, we're talking about men who do yoga versus mm-hmm. Qigong and like men who do Qigong seem like to have a solidity that mm-hmm. yoga guys don't have. It's like, there's some, there are some qualities that aren't in Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Because the work, and I don't know if you're doing the, the work for the Tao. Are you practicing the men's work? Uh, the microcosmic orbit. Yeah, but stuff, all, yeah. what about all the medical qigong? Are you doing any? I that? don't think so. I have a qigong practice, but I don't know exactly what you're referring to. Yeah, the iron tree qigongs and all of that. No, no. Okay, wow. Oh my god. So I'm definitely going to take some courses with them soon. <laughs> I mean, I live like 40 minutes from Dow Garden, so I should. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the Neo Tantra, especially with Margot Nan's teachings, uh, we talk a lot about the three keys, you know, mm-hmm. breath, sound, movement. Mm-hmm. But that breath, sound, movement is also in all the other yogic philosophies, mm-hmm. right? And even in dance movement, you know, breath, mm-hmm. sound, movement, right? Mm-hmm. So those those are the principles of the teachings. And then how people teach it, and that's, that's how the creativity mm-hmm. kind of happens, right? Mm-hmm. With, you know, the tantra people doing this and the movement, the dance people doing this and the yogic people doing this and the tai chi people, the qigong people doing this. Uh, how they do it, they all have their various creative ways in, in uh, introducing that. But I really feel that the Tao practice is um, fills in the crease, in the crack of the other practices. So it's like, you know, I can't tell you how many people come to me and they're just like, I don't feel the energy. You know, this energy that people talk about, like, what is it? I don't feel it, you know, and it's supposed to be running through me. And, you know, I just, you know, I, I don't feel it. And so when they practice the Tao, they, they start, it starts to feel it. And then they start to own it. You know, that Dantian, mm-hmm. that Dantian power, the sea of life, that's right in your, you know, right underneath your navel, mm-hmm. that space in front of the spine. Mm-hmm. In, in our practice, we teach extensively how to find it, where it is, what it looks like, how to feel it, how it's associated with your lumbar sacral area, mm-hmm. you know, anatomically. And then when you do the rooting power, the grounding, it's almost like martial arts. And it's like this beautiful, like continuum kind of movement. And you like really like, like in Tai Chi, you feel the Chi moving mm-hmm. through you. And then you, you push it out. And this kind of stuff, I never felt that concept with all my years of yoga studies and mm-hmm. I've done a lot of years of yoga studies a lot I mean I studied yoga since you know um in the early uh 90s 1990s and also before that I did martial arts since I was eight years old so movement and dance and martial arts and all those things are a big part of my my life mm-hmm. but none of them could ground me as much as this you know the Tao practices 
oh my god like yeah. i feel like nothing could move me yeah it was really cool um being you know it's like a lot of what he taught i had read in his books but to, like the precision of how master chia teaches is like it's like it was so intellectually stimulating and then charles muir is his stuff is like kind of more um the exercises are more social and fun and stuff yeah, but there's a yeah. precision with the Tao, oh it's very yeah. mentally stimulating yeah there's a lot of formulas right mm -hmm. it's all put together all the teachings are put together and and packaged into little formulas because there's so much yeah and it kind of shows i mean i'm mm. I'm assuming like the difference between Tao and tantra is kind of like built on like chinese and indian culture like there is like that part of chinese culture like even Chinese yeah. martial arts compared to other martial arts are like have that precision and like mm -hmm. these are rules and mm -hmm. principles and mm -hmm. geometry and stuff. You know, while that's all there, uh, I appreciate the, the precision, like you said, about the martial arts. But even in this uh, precision, there's room, there's some flexibility mm -hmm. also. Um, because although it seems like, okay, you have to do exactly this and exactly that and exactly this. You can't do any of that until you feel it in mm -hmm. your body. And everybody's body's different. Yeah. Right? So there's there's some wiggle room within everybody's structure and everybody's body mechanics and, and the way that they flow that can be taught so that it works for people. Mm -hmm. And you know, they're not just like doing this augmented, you know, like a, you know, A B C and one, two, three and do it this way. It's it's, it's not like that. Mm. Yeah. So I wonder, I hope that that makes sense to people listening out there, that there is definitely room for like flexibility and flow within the individual's practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah so um, you're, you're going to share a little bit more about like the actual teachings of like Tao and, and Tantra. Yeah. Um, so you're interested to know what it looks like in, in the sexuality. Yeah. In, in sexual mm. awakenings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they both use energy. They both bring awareness to the the lower parts of our bodies, you know, like the reproductive centers and and the first and second chakra. And uh, for those people who aren't familiar with those terms, um, is the part of our body where we have um, where we give birth, you know, mm -hmm. our womb. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it complements each other, the Tao and the Tantra practices, because the Tao allows us to have a very intimate relationship and the inner workings mm -hmm. of how our organs mm -hmm. are related to us, you know, mm -hmm. and and how we can revitalize the organs. And Tantra comes in, so. It, in a sense, in in the bedroom, Tao is very yang. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very like um, you. We used that word precision earlier, didn't we? You know, like intentional. Like it's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of okay. Let's do this and let's do that. And you know, we got to steam. We got to steam the organs. We got to bring the energy up, but the channels. We got to nourish the brain. We got to bring it back down. We got to circulate our our Dantian mm -hmm. and you know those terms of, of cultivating this energy source, this potent energy source, and refining it and making it even more powerful. And uh, Tantra comes in, I think, like a flow, like a yin flow. It's, okay, yeah, that's all great, but now let's connect heart to heart and, mm -hmm. and, and eye to eye. Mm -hmm. And let's have all of our senses uh, light up like a Christmas tree while we're doing all that. Mm -hmm. You know, let me be connected to you. Let me hear 
and feel and see you mm-hmm. as a, this divine, beautiful being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the weave actually, because like some of the criticisms I've heard about Taoist practitioners from Tantra people are like, oh, they're so like the ta- the Taoist guys are so focused on not coming and they're all thinking like they're very serious in bed. <laughs> I mean, actually, to be honest, when I first read Matsu Orgasmic Man, I totally missed the feeling aspect. And I was like, with my girlfriend, like really focusing on bringing the energy. And I, she was like, why are you always serious? And I was kind of missing <laughs> an important piece of lovemaking. <laughs> so this is why it, there's such a beautiful marriage between the two philosophies, because you can do this as a man, and you're trying to hold your ejaculate, because that ejaculate is that uh, wonderful potentiated, like liquid gold that you want to keep mm-hmm. inside of your body, rather than expel it and waste it as a Tao practice. Um, you know, as we teach there, you know, that mm-hmm. you want to be able to hold it in your body and give yourself the nourishment of that life force. So the way that the Tantra flows in is like, wow, now let's create the sacredness with this, mm-hmm. you know, and let's create this, uh, uh, this way of making love to each other that's like beyond the physical. Mm-hmm. Taking it to a higher realm of consciousness. Taking it to the realm where you feel as one mm-hmm. and you're not independent of each other. Yeah. That's one of the cool things about having them side by side. Because like I was mm-hmm. mentioning, the Charles Muir exercises during that week are very hands-on. But they don't leave you like thinking of, of that much. And I, I think like, marry, marrying them was great. Actually, I'm, I'm curious because there are some, uh, I think... Uh, disagreements and I'm mm-hmm. curious as someone who studied both like the one that I get asked about a lot is mm-hmm. in Tantra they always talk about bringing the energy up especially if you're withholding ejaculation but Tao says like that's gonna fry your brain or something you have to bring it back down mm-hmm. do you have an opinion on that kind yeah of thing? yeah yeah so in in the Tantra by itself a lot of that work is um the concentration on the kundalini was called the kundalini energy right mm. this this serpent energy that rises from your root and then starts to you know spiral up and it goes up your your channels but what happens is that that's a lot of energy going up there mm-hmm. and oftentimes people will you know um share that they have headaches or there's yeah. like a head rush kundalini or, syndrome yeah the yeah. kundalini syndrome and oh you know like it just feels very like dizzy up here so when you incorporate that same kind of energy release with the Tao practice mm-hmm. the way that it's taught in this philosophy is that you bring the energy back down and you circulate it up mm-hmm. the front of your body and then you bring it right back to the where it would where it came from and so each time it does this circuit this what's called a microcosmic circuit around your body from the back to the front it becomes more refined and more refined and the more one practices it literally does become more more refined yeah i mean i have noticed for like i mean in the beginning you're kind of i was just fumbling around like i wasn't feeling anything just pretending and then mm-hmm. it like starts to I start to feel it more and then it becomes more natural but like just, I mean, not to make it a competition, but you would say the Taoist perspective on that's probably healthier. You know, I, I don't like to compare anybody's things, you know, because everybody has. I feel like everyone has a golden nugget mm-hmm. in all of everyone's teachings, 
you know, the Kundalini's, they've got their golden nuggets, you know, the Tantra, the Tao, the uh, traditional Chinese medicine, the yogic, I mean, every, everything in everybody's things, they all have a golden nugget. But in terms of your question about, okay, you know, what is this Kundalini and, and this, this effect? Um, I personally find that uh, before I used to do it in the Tao way, I used to always get headaches. Mm -hmm. And they'd happen to me all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, like this strong potential orgasmic energy and it's uh, this arousal energy and it's I feel like it's exploding and like my head is going to like pop, mm -hmm. you know, and literally like, woo, like a high-speed head rush. And when I started to do the Tao practice and I started to refine that energy and send it back down and send it back down and also knowing how to breathe and how to uh, move the energy around what's called the crystal palace, around the brain centers. Mm -hmm. And you do that with your eye movement and, um, you know, and, and the way that you move the body. Um, yeah, that just like completely wipe it out like i don't have any of those yeah that was actually yeah. the because like when i was reading the my first month actually books i wasn't sure if it was real or not and i i was doing the practices like with my first girlfriend um and i the only the way i knew something was happening was that i was getting headaches it's like i wouldn't get headaches out of nowhere yeah, if this was yeah, all yeah, yeah. bs yeah yeah, yeah so right. that was kind of what sold me on it <laughs> the headaches. all right you know that something's happening yeah <laughs> yeah so um how does that differ mm, for women? Same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, women, um, we do what's called the power lock and the upper draw as well. And that's what the men's do to control their ejaculate. Right? But in terms of like, um, mm -hmm. I mean, some women ask me this, like, all right, so men, they want to not come so much or not like waste their ejaculate so mm -hmm. much. But women, is there anything like that? Oh, or? no, no. Women, you know, we lose our energy through our men, our menses, you mm -hmm. know, our, our periods and, and childbirth. And that's how we lose our energy. But in terms of our orgasm, just like the men. So this is quite different. Here's the, the big thing that has to be um, different, differentiated is that it doesn't mean you're not going to have an orgasm mm -hmm. just because you don't ejaculate. Mm -hmm. In fact, the more you practice the Tao method, you can have this full body wave of ecstatic orgasm mm -hmm. that's not just isolated on your genitalia yeah. and, and you can still keep your semen inside of your body mm -hmm. rather than losing it right so that doesn't get compromised mm -hmm. and for a woman as well you know a woman can have many orgasms and nothing is compromised in terms in terms of her energy level mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah, I've only I've only been able to experience that in a super super passive state. Actually, honestly, incorporating some of the tantric practices uh, has been what's allowed me to have non ejaculatory orgasms. But otherwise, if I'm on top or something, I can't. <laughs> I'm still working on it. <laughs> you have to do weight training. Are you doing the weight training? No, I, I have the silk. Um, okay, right, I, have, I, have a question. I have a technical question. Right, so, so Saul is referring to. Um, male genital weight training is there a name for it's it it's called the men's chi weight okay. and it's you have to strengthen your pelvic floor mm -hmm. and also your tendons okay and in the Tao practice what we teach the men is the um 
lots and lots of exercises to loosen and circulate, you know, around the testicles, around the scrotum, you know, around the glands, penis, and, and the pelvic floor, the inguinal area, you know, uh, even inside the base. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of hands-on manipulation to really open and keep everything in flow. Mm-hmm. And, and this is like sort of a secret that no one knows about, you know. Yeah, so after mm-hmm. that workshop, actually, I bought the silk in the gift shop. I was like, I, I, I so but you have the, to put weights on it, right? I, I, I yeah. tied it to heavy water bottles. Well, the thing that I was confused about was, are, am I tying it to everything or just the shaft? And it wasn't clear anywhere. I was trying to look it up. Uh-huh. <laughs> it enlightened me many years later. Cause I just stopped doing it. I was like, oh, I'm not feeling anything. I don't know. Oh, my God. Right. Okay, after this interview, I'm going to have to show you how this <laughs> thing works. <laughs> but so there's a T-bar, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a T-bar. And then you can purchase separately these little ring discants, you know, okay. the little weights, right? I get, I get that part. Like but two. The tying... Oh, okay. So you want to stack it so that you feel a significant pull on your tendons. So it's about okay. tendons and nothing is going to fall off. You're not going to cut your circulation. Um, and when you tie it, you have to tie it so that it's right up against your skin so that your scrotum and... Oh, your... so it's, it's around everything. It's around everything. So okay. all your bits I was are... unclear. So all, all your bits are out. Okay, got <laughs> it's, it. It's behind. The knot is behind and just the to be bits. clear to everyone listening, <laughs> the silk is tied around the shaft and the top of the scrotum. That's the right. Body. That's okay. right. Got it. Yeah. Well, now I know. Yeah. I was trying both ways. I'm like, maybe... maybe I, I guess the weight I was using wasn't strong enough. I was like, I'm doing this. So I don't know if everything works. But that's going to work well, but with the men's morning practice, you, mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking about in terms of like circulating, massaging, pulling, stretching, you know, breathing, <laughs> doing, doing fire breath while you're sticking your tongue out and while you're doing all these. I mean, this is a whole, these are all different formulas, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. This is why the one-on-one coaching is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times this is not going to be caught. This is not going to be taught in like the you know, the mainstream classroom. <laughs> yeah, because they, they spoke about it. They just didn't tell where to tie. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try it. And then I was like tying myself. I was like, wait, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I even have a post on this. Do you know Kim Anami? Oh, my God. That name sounds so familiar. I think she studied. I mean, she's Oh, like, yeah. I think so. Yeah, she's the one with the surfboard, right? I don't know. But she does the yeah. um, things I left with vagina. Yeah, vagina. yeah. I think she must have studied with Montauk Chi at some point. She speaks about really Taoist sure. sexuality a yeah, lot. I'm not. I can't really speak for her. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> her her whole thing on Instagram was like she could lift like really heavy things. With I guess she tied a a string to a jade egg and then pulled yeah, it up yeah. there, and then she could lift like crazy. It's absolutely heavy possible. Things. Yeah. So when a woman does her version of the weight training, so now men and women they both have their versions. So the woman um, puts um, a stone that's shaped like an egg and a lot of times it's out there it's called the yoni egg or mm-hmm. the jade egg and she puts it in puts it in she, her introitus in her yeah, vagina in, inside of there yeah inside of the uh, the canal and on the other end of it there's a string mm-hmm. attached right and then the string is going to be holding a weight mm-hmm. such as a water bottle or you know in some people's cases like a surfboard <laughs> or a pineapple a big watermelon um but yeah it just goes to show how strong the inner workings of the body really is and how mm-hmm. much it can hold because if you look at the chinese men even in this generation they have competitions and they're they're holding a box that's like 400 pounds hmm. i've seen Okay. Images of that, like in like the Shaolin temples and stuff. Oh no, but... it's, it's you could just find it on YouTube now. Oh, okay. But four hundred pounds. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, of a crater, 
and they're just their tendons are holding it. Uh, and what is so? How does that translate into a man's sexual experience or performance? <laughs> Well, the men, the Dallas men who practice this, and I would, I would say now every man out there, it doesn't even, you don't, you don't have to be a Dallas man. I would say anybody who does this kind of practicing becomes, their bodies become so fine-tuned with being able to just clamp on mm-hmm. before the, the semen and the seminal fluid, before the, all of that becomes formulated mm-hmm. to become the semen. Um, so it's very strong, and it comes to the point where it's effortless. You know, the man could just will it, you know, and like, you know, if you're in an arousal energy and you just have all that exercise and you've been doing all this work, you just simply just think about it, and it's like, boom, it's, iron, it's like an iron class mm-hmm. with very little effort, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So this is, this is next level, like uh, Kegels, like if, uh, or PC flexes. But it's if- not, you know... I really like to stay away from Kegels. I don't even teach um, the women. I don't even use the word Kegels because really mm. it's not Kegels. It's more of a uh, a way to, there's a spiraling action, very much like your peristalsic movement of your intestines. Mm-hmm. So you're drawing energy up and it's almost like you're, you have fingers inside of your body and they're just like, you know, like holding the rope, right? Or just like, or twisting the rope. You know, ringing it. There's a ringing type action that is not a kegel. That makes gotcha. Sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I need to take another workshop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I have more questions for you on, on like the actual mechanics now. We'll have to talk about this after the. Okay, I guess so. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll text you if I come up with something new. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else you feel people should know? Oh, actually, I remember something um, that I remembered from the, the workshop. Actually, maybe we'll speak about it again. But, but um, you teach something with like breast massage to women. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the breast massage is a big part of the what's called the women's Tao practice because all the circuitry um, in the breast tissue, the nipples, you know, they all kind of integrate. They they correlate with the organs of the reproduction, mm-hmm. like the uterus, mm-hmm. the ovaries. So this is why when babies are lactating mm-hmm. and they're sucking on the, the mother's milk, the, the breast, on the nipples, there's a contraction of the uterus. Mm-hmm. You know, and the uterus actually con- starts to shrink back to its normal size after the childbirth very quickly when they are uh, nursing a baby. Because there's so much stimulation of the nipples, the breasts, and so the uterus starts to get activated, and then it goes back down to its yeah. original size. I remember size. that, because uh, uh, Master Chi was saying if a man can learn to suck in that way, he can create the contractions. Like, that's kind of been a thing always in my mind. <laughs> you <laughs> know what? In, it is yeah. actually true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if this is true or not, but even men, you know, like, I've heard stories that, you know, like, men were able to suddenly were lactating, you know? It's just like 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 the most funkiest thing. Huh. So <laughs> I can't, I can't validate that, but um, yeah. So, but it's true. Yeah, a woman can start to. Well, that's what they did in the olden days. You know, in the in the eras many many years ago, the midwives used to nurse the babies of the aristocratic ladies because you know they couldn't be bothered with with all that. Right. So they had, oh, I kind of assumed the the midwives always um also had a baby. I don't know. They just like trained themselves to continue lactating. Like indefinitely. Well, you know, they they had these nursing mates, you know, that mm-hmm. were able to to nurse the babies um, 
place with them, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think any time it can be re-stimulated. Mm-hmm. I remember Master Chi was speaking about how um, things like bras that constrict the breast, his, he believes that that's what causes breast cancer to be so prevalent. Well, now. yeah, if you think about it, all of our lymphatic system, our lymph vessels, our lymph glands, everything is all around this area. And, and if you put a tourniquet, Around your, any part of your body for a long period of time, yeah. you cut the circulation, you cut lymphatic flow. So it just makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of my medical background was um, I worked with um, uh, in the '90s. I worked with post mastectomy women who mm-hmm. had breast cancer, and wow, you know. So their lymph glands were irradiated. So then they had this edema. It was called lymphedema all on their arms. Mm-hmm because they had, didn't have adequate uh, lymphatic flow mm-hmm. in, in that limb. So we did a lot of breast massage to redirect and, and get mm. things moving here. Even though their breast was removed or partially removed? What the other ones still did. Oh, okay. So we can redirect. It's like a, new, oh, it's like a detour. Get all the lymph vessels to go on a different detour. And you did that when you are in conventional medicine? Yeah, yeah. So that was. Are they allowed to do that? Or you kind of just you just snuck that in? No, 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 no. It's it's totally relevant. Yeah. So breast massage is not only good for women to detect, you know, for lumps and bumps, and you know, you do your daily check. But in the Dao practice, we incorporate it with what's called the ovarian breathing. Mm -hmm. So we breathe into the ovaries. We do the uh, microcosmic orbit. We do. Uh, extensive breast massage to stimulate and move the chi, move the stagnicity, because all ailments in, in the Tao practice is about the stagnicity. You know, if your body isn't moving and there's just, it's like muddy water, it's mm-hmm. like that muddy pond, you know, where the stream isn't moving, so then it becomes like rotted, right? Yeah. So this is like our bodies. You know, if we're not constantly moving, our, our, our circulatory system is compromised, we're not moving our lymph, things, you know, we're, there's so much compression in certain areas, there's restriction, there's crystallization and mm-hmm. around the organs, around the blood vessels, yeah. then that's the opportunity and that's for likely, disease. Like what likely why men have uh, such higher rates of prostate cancer. Exactly. And yeah. so that's why we teach men on other formulas to, you know, rejuvenate their prostate. Yeah, I mean, in Tantra, I guess, well, yeah, in Tantra classes were where I've had my prostate simulated the most. And, like, yeah. um, it was interesting, like, the fir- my first partners always say, like, oh, it's like a rock. Yeah, yours is like a rock. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, but oh over time, they've been saying, okay, it's, like, a little softer now. Did softer. you do a lot of bike riding when you were younger? I did a lot of bike riding. Oh, yeah. I also yeah, think, yeah. you know. I, I people tease me about this. I made I had a YouTube video that was well circulated on the importance of relaxing your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> At least that was the title. Uh, relax your sphincter. Um, and uh, a lot of guys, you know, I mean, it's a silly. I mean, people always laugh. You know, it's a yeah. funny thought. But every time I speak about it, especially if I'm speaking to a group, more than half the guys will be like, "I think I've been clenching my butt my entire life, yeah, and I didn't that's notice." Yeah, true. Sure. Yeah. You can see. Um, and also, when you look at a man, like I, I notice, you know, body structures a lot. Um, when a man is standing straight, for example, there's a tucking, there's a slight tucking on the lower half of his buttocks mm-hmm. because those sphincter muscles are so constricted. Mm-hmm. And even in the relaxed state, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. it's constricted, so it actually pulls the tailbone under. And so even though there's a little curvature on the lumbar area, but still around the pelvic floor, it's like tucked under. 
Yeah, right? this isn't another yeah, thing. The butt cheeks look like they're squashed, you know, like that. I, I had some back <laughs> problems and I was doing Alexander technique. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah, sure, um, of course. And I started, to, and I was also learning, like, oh, I realized I was clenching my butt all the time. It's yeah. kind of hard to remember to keep it relaxed. Yeah. But then I noticed, like, when my body is aligned, it's hard to clench it. And when my body's not aligned, it's hard to not clench it. Like, they kind of go together. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the Tao practice, we teach how to um, draw energy from the different quadrants of the, of the anus, actually. Because the right quadrant, for example, uh, correlates with the liver. Mm. And the gallbladder, and like the left, for example, correlates with the spleen and the pancreas. So there's a way, but again, in the Tao practice, we don't do kegel. So even in the drawing of the energy, it's almost like a flower petal. You know, it's just like this going in and out, a very graceful way to move those muscles rather than a staccato, like, mm. you know, <laughs> squeeze it open, squeeze it open. That's not, nothing like that. Yeah. yeah. It's more of that flower petal opening and flower petal closing. I'm glad that's clarified. Because, yeah, Kegel's never, like, really jabbed with me. But, no, it's yeah. too harsh. And um, there's a lot of um, people that I see that has had some complications because all their life they've been doing some sort of Kegel-ish kind of exercise. And even in yoga, you know, mula bandha, you, yeah, know, yeah. you know, clench that Kegel. So, um, and what happened is that now other parts of their tissues are like sticking, you know, the little prolapse. Hmm. Yeah, the prolapse sticking out from the bottom of their tissue down below. So, um Huh, all right, this is another too is much it? clenching is just it, it it's kind of like common it almost feels like common sense like if you if, like for example if you clench your neck like really hard mm -hmm. for a long period of time you can't you can't stand that for more than of two course. seconds right yeah. so imagine your same thing around your butt cheeks and yeah. your anus you know like clenching for like more than five seconds it's like so uncomfortable yeah right? yeah this might be yeah, out of yeah. this tmi or whatever but um when I started studying <laughs> the, the, the books and like doing all these practices, I think I must have done like the PC clenches too much at some point uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I started to notice that mm. um, when I would urinate and like shake off the last drops, I couldn't, I, there's like some leakage still. Mm. And I've, I, you know, a lot of guys talk about, oh yeah, this happens when you're drunk or happens. And I was like, oh, I think this happens when I'm stressed because I'm probably clenching and like, yeah. I don't know what exactly, yeah. it, maybe you can tell me what exactly is happening when that happens. Yeah. So... Um, so describe it again. So like when you're, when, when you've had your last urination and yeah. it's like, it's done. And I've shaken off the last drops. I think yeah. it's done. It's, and it's I put done. everything back in But there's more in, in the line. But you're saying that there's more in the line? Yeah. And like stuff still, still comes out. Yeah. That, I'm, I can't be too clear on that one. Okay. Because if you're clenching mm -hmm. and you're really tight and constricted back there, then it would be the opposite effect. Uh, we like hold it. I, I mean, just from my, you know, my own mm, personal experience, mm. I, it's like, I feel like there's less circulation down there and I feel like maybe something's not working right. I mean, when I talk to guys about this, like, they're like, oh yeah, it happens when I'm drinking you or it happens what? when you get old. This, yeah. this could be it for you. Is mm -hmm. that if your body is automatically just, um, without your consciousness clenching, mm -hmm. even when you're urinating, it's clenching. Mm -hmm. And so when you when you think you're done, you, now you suddenly relax, right? You're like, oh, I'm done peeing, so I'm going to stand up, I'm going to relax. And then suddenly you open the gate. It's called the lower gate. You open the gate, and but no, there's still some in there because mm. you have been clenching that whole time, mm. even when you were when you were urinating. So that okay. could be that. Yeah. yeah, I do notice it's mm -hmm. like when I'm when I have less circulation down there, as mm -hmm. opposed to being like I don't know how to put it in 
not crude terms, but like when I'm hanging lower, it doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, when it's, I don't know. Anyway, if anyone's uh, listening and you have this experience, message me on Instagram. <laughs> maybe we can get enough data to, to figure out this. Maybe need to talk to your urologist. Um, not that I have a problem. It just happens sometimes. Uh, cool. But actually, in a way, it's probably good that you're speaking of this because a lot of men they they won't talk to anybody. There's mm-hmm. nobody to talk to about these kinds of things, really, right? I mean, you're not yeah. going to go in the locker rooms and talk about this to the other guys, right? It's yeah. kind of women will though, you know. Yeah. We, well, women when we get together, we talk about everything, you know. And it's just kind of like that tribal mentality of women, you know, that when when women get together, we naturally want to speak about things and share stories and and even if it's kind of intimate things well still you know there's like that sisterhood kind of mm-hmm. going on like you know oh you know and nurturing and, and i understand you and, and so on and so forth but men are very um i feel men are very isolated like there's not that many opportunities for men to sit and talk about their um their body functions and what's going on they don't have like a mentorship you know where they can ask another man who you know could seem like an older brother type you know and it just doesn't happen yeah it's, i mean yeah. i don't know if you know like i got into this work because i, I had uh, erectile dysfunction when i was like 23 no, it was like no, all like anxiety related no. and disconnection oh my god you didn't tell me before i came here like, uh, i don't know, I don't know. This oh my god. My life. Uh, but yeah, but like uh, yeah, you know yeah. I, I share about this and like yeah. i get so many messages like mostly guys who are younger and i think pornography might be the cause it, yeah, of this like yeah, yeah, yeah. erectile dysfunction premature ejaculation research you know that right yeah i'm yeah. sure you've read all the yeah, research yeah. now that how, how there is a correlation yeah too and, much pornography and how this the, the how it affects the the psychology of right. the man yeah and like and physically and um every guy especially the younger guys are like I'm, I'm some sort of freak i'm the only one i'm like i talked to five people like you today <laughs> like it's not it's not you're not unique in fact unfortunately you're probably close to the majority or yeah large group. yeah 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 i know it's an epidemic it sure is and yeah. i i get a lot of uh, people that ask about that too mm-hmm. and it's not just the men it's the women too yeah. yeah, you know what? Really, I, I, I'm getting a little rod up now because uh, <laughs> yeah, there's all these companies. I think a lot of them are California based that make it easy for young guys to get Viagra prescriptions online without going to the doctor. Oh, there's all these startups. They like so one got 20 million in funding, another one like so like all the and like they're all over Facebook. I mean, I'm, I'm targeted, not you, so you don't see them. But like mm-hmm. uh, they're all over Facebook. They're all specifically for guys who mm-hmm. have psychogenic issues, but they don't want to go to the doctor, so they get they just get Viagra subscriptions. But how do they target you? Like. Well, I mean, I'm, Facebook I'm, ads out according to your age, your demographic. Yeah, I mean, that's how Facebook ads are targeting people who might buy. So, like a guy my age, oh, like it's wow. like millennial men who have this issue. Wow. It was it was founded by a guy who had an issue, and he he didn't want to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. He's embarrassed. Anyway, they're making it so easy for guys to get a chemical solution without mm-hmm. actually learning how to deal with their bodies. And I think is only exacerbating the problem caused by pornography. Mm-hmm. So I'm really pissed off at the internet that they allow something or like all this whole culture of. Uh, prescription it's drugs creating like such a horrible misconstrued codependency on yeah. something that is absolutely uh, you know um it's it's not necessary for people that that are like 25 right and yeah. younger guys that you're talking about yeah all they have to do is 
get more tantra, get more yeah. ground practice. Really, yeah. you know, get in touch with their body, get in touch with their their the masculine, divine masculine, divine feminine. Touch with their heart, open their vulnerability, be open to another person receiving love and giving love, and all those things that are richly taught in, in the practices. And once they step into that sacred realm, they're like, oh my god, what the heck was I doing? Like, yeah. what the hell? All this, you know? Yeah, and it is more work than taking a pill, but like, you know, it's you know. I like the thing for me, I was actually taking Viagra for a year and then I was like, I'm not even 24. Am I going to take a pill every time for the yeah, rest of my life? Yeah. Like, what's that going to do to my heart and like, what's, physically? And, you know, like, yeah, what, what part of your organs are you giving to the devil in the meanwhile? Right. 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 So you're trading in something else for a, a fix. Right. And in the meanwhile, one of your organs have to be given, you know, I just put it that way, but it's going to be compromised. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, it would say mm. like the, the kidneys are being drained or something oh, in Chinese yeah, medicine. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Kidney, liver, all those, and those are se- those. Are your, that's why you're sexual genius, you right. know. You don't want to mess with the kidneys. Oh my god, yeah. that's why I say now, you know, which part of your organs are you gonna give to that devil? Yeah, yeah. it was also really cool. I'm um, having Master Chia teach the Qigong every morning. Yeah. I didn't wake up every morning, but I woke up most yeah, mornings. So it, was, yeah, it was just nice to see because I, I have a friend who was also at that retreat two years ago, who's like very practiced in push hands. Like, do you know, like the like competitive Tai Chi? You're familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so he did it with my Master Chia, and, and Master Chia threw him like in a second. I was like, oh, oh okay, yeah. <laughs> like, this is. <laughs> oh no. yeah, you know, I, I, it's yeah. I think that the more that you uh, can embody these energetic practices and working with your tendons and making it really activated and strong, uh, it just serves, you know, mm-hmm. for the golden years, you yeah. know, or you could just. <laughs> You know, take down like Master Chia, you know, he's just not that tall and he can take down these big German guys that are like six foot tall. Boop. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what you were describing about like, like really feeling the Tantian and moving it, this is the type of stuff you learned in that four months in like, your, your no, instructor no, no. training? Not really. Honestly, mm-hmm. when I took it, as you know, Ruan, because you took some of the classes, mm-hmm. there's a lot of information to mm-hmm. download, isn't there? Mm-hmm. So for me, um, eight years ago when I started, is that um, it was I was just trying to get the information. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to digest this smorgasbord of stuff, you know, and you know, like oh my god, you know, <laughs> like get acquainted with it, and and then um, it literally took me the full eight years to really mm-hmm. grasp what this is because you know he's got so many resources out there at Montauk Show. he's got videos galore on YouTube he, everything is accessible mm-hmm. people can just go to YouTube and look at his classes and read his books but as you know because you've taken a lot of teachings too mm-hmm. uh, it's very difficult to understand anybody or understand any concept if you can't feel the energetic transmission of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's golden. And this is why in the, in the eight years, um, I myself have had to work one-on-one with, you know, private training too, because mm-hmm. I want to like refine my, my own practice because mm-hmm. I formulated my own practice with all of the teachings mm-hmm. and see what serves me and how it's going to flow with my, my lifestyle and my world. Mm-hmm. And so, I found it invaluable, just invaluable to have this one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it was nice to see because, like, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the information that he was teaching Montauk Chia specifically, I had read before, but I, th- I, it was easier to get certain things with him there. <laughs> and like, one of the, the biggest thing I, I realized was like, oh, I, I kind of understood the concept. I just needed to practice more. That's why they weren't landing. Yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I so like, how has that merged within you? I mean, you have this Tao background, this Tantra background. I'm actually mm-hmm. specifically curious how each of these uh, modalities have affected your sex life and like how you experience that kind of... <laughs> I'll get to the juice, huh? Yeah, I mean, you got to it at some point. <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's just say that um, the practices create a very strong, uh, what's called the Wei Chi field. Mm-hmm. You know that, right? I've never heard that term. The Wei Chi field is a term... Uh, that is popular in Chinese medicine. And it's the auric field. You know, we all have like this protective shield around us that that prevents us from getting ill and broken down and and all kinds of things. And it's kind of like I always tell people, you know, people who's heard my interviews, it's like the the Star Trek, you know? Mm -hmm. Remember in the olden days? so the captain would go, okay, now beam me up, Scotty. Mm-hmm. And then bing, that force field would come mm-hmm. around and encase them and then they go up in the spaceship, right? So this way she field is kind of like this invisible auric field that protects one from emotional toxins, you know, toxins from out there, energetic toxins, mm-hmm. um, even electromagnetic toxins. Uh, anything that would bring the person's vitality down. Mm-hmm. So the Tao practice creates, cultivates incredible way she feel. It was very strong. And, you know, I've been practicing and doing the work for so many years. I don't get sick. I mean, literally, you know, like I'm, I go from airport to airport and place to place where there's all kinds of people that have all kinds of mm-hmm. illnesses. Right. And, and I literally feel like I just don't, it doesn't penetrate. my way you feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is one thing I think find interesting. Cause like, mm-hmm. I obviously, well, obviously I'm, I'm into all this stuff, but when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, oh, how do you, how do you know there's a way that you feel? I'm sure a lot of mm-hmm. listeners are like, well, what do you mean? Like, how do you know it's there? How do you know it's not mm-hmm. a placebo mm-hmm. thing? Like, and that's just something I think about with Chinese medicine too, which mm-hmm. is also so precise, but they have certain assumptions that we can't prove. Like, how do you, what do you say to people who are like, what are you, what well, are you talking about? So well, let's, let's take it to the, the current kind of science here. So you've heard of those, um, those cameras, those special cameras that take pictures of food mm-hmm. have, uh, you, have no. you heard that no. um i can't i can't remember the exact name of it but it starts with a k creton or something like that anyway so what they've done was um there's a famous raw foodist his name is david wolf and he's created all kinds of series. Oh, david avocado wolf yeah david okay. avocado I think wolf. We Facebook friends. <laughs> but, so david avocado wolf has um uh he wrote a book called Beauty, you know, and in it, there's pictures of raw organic food, and then there's pictures of cooked food, and somebody took the the picture, right, of these two foods, mm-hmm. and when you look at it, you can see the radiant, this brilliant, illuminating light. It's almost like on this auric field around the live, vibrant food, mm-hmm. you know, the live broccoli. Versus the cooked broccoli, like there's hardly any 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 um light coming through there, 
And so it's not just the food. They've taken pictures, you know, of other things. And it's the same. Anything that has a lot of vitality and a lot of aliveness it's just like this brilliancy, like this illuminating so this, light. So uh, this uh, camera like somehow picks up some other kind it, of non-visible it, light? It does. It does, actually. Okay. And um, I feel like it's the same thing. You know, we had that, that magic camera and we could just mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, because we don't see this, this art field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and take a picture of somebody that has a lot, that's exuding a lot of uh, vitality and uh, liveliness, you know, and radiance. Then... It could be captured, in a sense, right? Yeah, because I, mean, I totally buy the the metaphor part of it. Like when someone's radiant, of course, like they're less like their immune system is stronger, and like yeah. you could feel something off of them and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I'm, I'm actually I was wondering about the um in, with the darkroom stuff. Mm-hmm. Does it change your vision at all? Because like I mean, a lot of yogis are like if you're familiar with Wim Hof. He, he says like if you do certain kinds of breathing, you start to mm-hmm. see people's auras. Has that, does anything like that come up in the dark room? Well, what happens in the dark room is um, you, you are, your serotonin, melatonin levels go up because, you know, you are deprived of light. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, your body thinks like you're continuously repairing, mm-hmm. right? You're sleeping and when we're sleeping and resting, that's when our body repairs. Mm-hmm. So when we don't have any more light, then the body just continuously goes into that repair mode, repair mode. Mm. And so that's why it is said that, you know, people coming out of the dark room after a week, they look younger. It's mm. like, oh my God, you look younger. You know, <laughs> you know it's like a reversing the, the aging process. Mm. And your own levels of DMT starts mm. to formulate in your body. Mm. And so some people have um, psychedelic-like kind of reaction without taking psychedelics. I could definitely see that, like just being in the dark a long time. Yeah. That you start to see stuff. You, oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. Oh, my God. I, I, was, I was seeing, like, you know, the space and the meteorites, and, you know, and I could just go like this. I'm like, oh, is that the star? <laughs> you know, yeah. trying to grab and reach over and like, oh, that, that was, that's not a cave. Uh, so, yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, have they done any studies on, like, like how – injuries repair or anything in the dark room like I, I, when you say that i'm like oh, i have all these like things that probably need recovery i probably don't sleep enough like maybe i should just go to this dark room and it's incredible I, I would say that um uniformly all of us who went into the dark room for w- one week to two weeks we just ended up sleeping for 12 or 13 hours hmm. automatically because you know they give us the meal times and then they give us the rest times and shortly after the last meal around six or seven o'clock everybody's like Everybody is like, just, you know, there's nothing to do. How do you know what we time have is? absolutely nothing to do. Because we know when the meals are. Oh, okay. But when the meal times come, we mm-hmm. know when that are. Because they, they announce it, you know, before the retreat. So then, yeah, we just go down. Mm. Do people and talk? No, it's, it's kind of like this is the time to slow everything down. Gotcha. Slow your mind. Slow your speech. Slow your having to do anything. So people yeah. speak like just like to... Past things, yeah, but it's really about preserving your energy. Gotcha. So people aren't like sleeping together, hanging out. No, not really. Mm -mm. No, everybody's in their own space, and the meals are very um, high quality, but um, very reduced quality um, Mm -hmm. calories. Gotcha. So it's like we're fasting for that week. So everything has to slow down. Do people bump into each other a lot? We have a way to find, we, we start to get really acute with sensory perception, you know, we feel the wall, we, we count the steps, uh, we, 
we feel things under our feet, uh, we start to get very smart, very intelligent with the space around us. And we know exactly where we put the things. Um, in the beginning of the week, you know, we have a snapshot picture of where we put it and what the room used to look like when we had light. And then at the end of the week, everybody's just like, everybody's down to knowing like the room everywhere. Even this guy that go upstairs, it's like, mm. oh my God, <laughs> you know. But yeah, you just become extremely uh, smart and it's a survival thing. Cause if, yeah. you're, if you're not going to be intelligent that way, you're just going to continuously, you know, be clumsy and, you know, fall down and, and you know, panic about where your rooms are. But it didn't happen that way. Mm. Everybody just was very smart. Yeah, because we overvalue our eyes so much. And I've thought about this, like anytime I'm walking in the dark outside, I try not to have my, like, I try not to use the phone light and just see if I can walk and yeah, if I really pay attention I don't absolutely. stumble anymore and yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, releasing yeah. that ability yeah that's what happens naturally in the dark room everybody mm -hmm. just starts to get smarter about that they're just like okay no light okay, I'm gonna have to you know really use all my sensory my fingertips my my toes my you know bottoms of my foot uh -huh. feel the surface yeah you know so it, it just yeah and it just happens quite naturally they don't um give you a whole lecture you know there's not a lot of hand holding, mm -hmm. you know, and telling, oh, you know, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. People just figure it out. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're working on the meeting of the masters is coming up in a few months. Um, and you, what, what are you working on now? What's your work like now? I know you work yeah. in a wellness center here in LA. Or... I, I, my work, I, I travel to various countries and mm -hmm. I teach and I, I teach and uh, facilitate workshops mm -hmm. about wellness, uh, sexuality sacred connections between partners, um, men's practice, women's practices, you know, uh, for vitality and longevity and, and, and really how we can have tools to live longer mm -hmm. and with more vitality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that looks like it could come from the tantric angle. It could come from the Tao angle. It could come from a little bit of psychosomatic work. It could come from a little bit of psychology. I, I kind of mix it all in a, a mixing pot and uh, tune into what the needs are of the people that I'm invited to, like the country, for example. And then also, um, and I work with private people. So in LA, I'm, I have a private practice that I work with lots of people individually gotcha and is that like counseling or, or with like, uh, like, uh, like i work on their work. bodies healing work mm -hmm. and i teach them a whole practicum of exercises and self-care mm -hmm. and so it's yeah i would say it's like a program to mm -hmm. get to to transform themselves into a better version of themselves cool awesome <laughs> awesome yeah um, is there anything else you want to share about uh, what's going on for you? I know the meeting of masters you can speak about. Yeah, that's coming on in, in January. Mm -hmm. It's coming up in 2020. It's going to be the last one. So oh, This is going to be the last one. Yeah, that's the okay. last one. But it might not be so so much for Master Chia because he's, you know, he's thriving. and he's Yeah, uh, he's, but Charles yeah. Muir is retiring. Charles Muir is retiring. I did see that yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is going to be the last one for them, both working together. Mm -hmm. And, but Margot Nan might be there. Yeah, Margot Nan, you know, she's <laughs> she's alive and well. So mm -hmm. we'll see what happens with Margot Nan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, just continuing to transmit the good work of all of these wonderful legendaries, and. Uh, cool. And people can find out more about your other work at Solo Wellness. Yeah, they can find out through Solo Wellness, and then also Meeting of the Masters is is for the um, Tantra Retreat in Thailand. The the URL is meetingofthemasters.com? Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. awesome, mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I will be in Chiang Mai, so I'm definitely going to stop in and say hi at least. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. yeah. I'll be I'll be in the area. Yeah, to anyone who decides to go, you can say hi to me too. I'll be around. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm so glad we got to meet up. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to ruwando.com. Catch me on social media, at ruwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.